Thanks for joining the Money Happy Hour, where we make every hour a happy hour for your money. I'm your host, Tom, the Savings Captain. And of course, I'm joined by my producer, Radish, the hardest working dog in podcasting. Hey, today we are going to talk about U.S. tipping culture, where it came from, and frankly, why do we do it? Well, if you're new to the Money Happy Hour, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. Hey, and don't worry, I'm not going to ask you for a tip. Just a listen, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. So this topic of tipping, it's everywhere you go these days. Wherever you go, it seems like there's a tip jar, an opportunity to add 10, 15, 20% or more to the service that you received. If you read social media, oh, there's plenty of jokes out there, memes and posts about odd places tipping show, shows up. So it got me thinking, it's like, why? It's everywhere. Why did we do it? Where did it come from? And why are Americans just so, why do we have such a tip, tipping culture? But before I get into a little bit more around the history of it, I want to tell you a little bit of a story. And this story is a story I was having with my friend, Andy Martin. Andy is from Ireland. He has traveled to the United States quite a bit. So he was pretty familiar with like tipping in the United States. Generally, he knew that when you go to a sit-down restaurant, the check is going to come and there's going to be a line there for you to fill in, either called tip or gratuity. But a few years back, he traveled to the United States and I asked him, I asked him a question. I said, where have you run into like just a strange tipping scenario? And he said, you know, Tom, the, the strangest place was one time when we traveled to Florida. He said, we just flew in. We flew in from Ireland. There was a long flight and we checked into an upscale hotel. He left his credit card at the front desk. He was, have that on file and then he went to go check into his room. And since it was an upscale hotel, guess what? There was a bell person there that he thought was just offering part of the service with the hotel to carry a couple of bags up to his room. Well, they get up to the room. They, the bell person opened the door, put the bags in the room, and then came in the room. Well, Andy and his wife, they were just looking around in amazement. The The hotel room was like so nice. They were taking pictures, looking at the bathroom. And he was like, why is this bell person still, still in the room? Just kind of like looking at me. And it took a couple of minutes. And finally, the bell person said, you know, in the, in the U.S., in our in the U.S., we expect a gratuity, and he thought that was kind of odd. A great example of just odd places that if you're coming to the U.S., you wouldn't expect a tip to be asked. Well, he came from Ireland, and it was confusing, and quite honestly, as an American, more and more tipping uh, places where tips are being asked for, they just pop up and in what are the strangest places. So this topic is probably one of my, it's, I enjoy this so much because it's three of my favorite topics. You got a little bit of culture, you got a little bit of money, you got a little bit of history 
all tied up into it. So when I kept seeing all these posts about tipping and jokes on social media, it just made me curious. Why do we tip? Why do we tip? Where did it come from? Like, how did it start? And is this a new thing that we're experiencing, just questioning tipping? And it's really not. I was looking at an article. I found this in just putting some notes together for this show. This was a an article from the New Yorker. And get this, it was dated April 16th, 1938, almost 100 years ago. And there was an article in the New Yorker referencing a book that was written by William Scott. It was titled The Itching Palm. Michael, uh, Michael Scott, William Scott wrote that book in 1916. So this is certainly not a new, uh, a new topic, but he was just questioning tipping. And in the itching palm, he, this is kind of interesting. He says that there's a psychological basis of tipping. That's one part misguided generosity, two parts pride, and one part fear of being, get this, unfavorably noticed. Like, have you ever felt that? You're getting ready to leave a tip and you're doing the math in your head. What percentage you've, you've, you should you leave? That's probably if, what he's getting at there. A fear of being unfavorably noticed. So I found another good article. This came from, uh, it's a restaurant journal. They did a really good piece last year on tipping and, you know, tipping in restaurants is very customary. So it was interesting to get their point. And the title of the articles is in the U.S. Tipping has been a complex and controversial topic in history. The American style of tipping your server, they go on to say it emerged during reconstruction after the Civil War. It did take decades to become accepted, but once it became entrenched um, during the Prohibition era, the early 1900s, it's been here to stay ever since. We're going to talk a little bit about why. So after the, after the Civil War, you had the freeing of slaves, and simultaneously, you also had, right around that time, a lot of unskilled immigrants coming to the United States. And during that time, a lot of those people were directly in service at very low wages, and employers would hire them and then just pass that service on low pay with the expectation of guests would tip. So that was one of the big catalysts going back more than 150 years in the U.S., why it came here. So... This in, this story was pretty interesting. When it comes to when it comes to tipping, the Pullman Company, the railroad company, they were one of the first companies that instituted tipping. So they would have servers on trains, and the servers on trains were kind of like I said before, very low paid. They would serve people both food, things they might need on the train. And a tip was expected. During during Prohibition, the emergence of tipping in the late 1800s starting to emerge, it was, there was a lot of opposition around it in the United States. 
it was considered almost un-American running against the country's uh, allegedly egalitarian ideals. And a lot of people considered it a bribe, sometimes by the business, sometimes by the workers. Even back then, seven states, and this was odd, seven states, most of them in the South, banned the practice outright in general. In a restaurant where employers, they would just shift the cost of the waiter to the shoulders of the public. And we still see that today. And I'm going to go into that in just a little bit. But the practice really stuck by the early 1900s. And two events solidified this. The first goes back to almost my friend Andy's experience. Hotels that served the the nation's finest restaurants and wealthier people they instituted tips. They started segregating a guest's hotel bill and a guest's restaurant bill. So when a guest would check into a hotel and they would dine, usually at an upscale restaurant located in a hotel, they would hire wait staff that was very low paid and relied completely on tips. And then hotel owners also had bell people and support staff to handle bags that also expected tips. Other big turn of event was in the 1920s when prohibition started in the U.S. Alcohol could no longer be served. It had a pretty big impact on society. Um, so hotel owners uh, were more accustomed to catering to their catering to generally affluent um, patrons and during prohibition it was almost like a it was almost like a hook me up with something that was that was kind of what entrenched give me a drink and that's what uh, that's what instituted some of uh, some of the tipping that we see today but where does tipping even get its name? So the word tip, I don't know if this is true or not. I've read several articles that go back and forth on this. So one art, so one school of thought says that TIP comes from, it's just an acronym. And the acronym TIP is some sort of formation of to ensure promptness or to ensure performance. I have fact-checked this both ways. Some people say that's exactly where it came from in the pubs back in Europe. And some people say that's just nothing more than, than myth. Either case, it's a, I found it a pretty good, I found pretty interesting and a good story of, of why we even use that word tip. So I can go on and on talking a little bit about the history of, it, it really seems to be in the 1860s during Reconstruction, we had a lot of unskilled workers all arrive um, in in society at once, had skills that could be transferred to an employer, but the employer wouldn't pay a full wage, and that was passed on to people in the U.S. Now, the interesting thing is th- even the thought of tipping 
It came from wealthy Americans back in the 1800s traveling to Europe where tipping was common. But tipping is no longer really common in Europe. It's actually uh, a very foreign concept in Europe. So it's, it's interesting to see how the, the continents and the view of tipping has shifted over the last, over the last several decades. So the, the pushback around tipping is it's not new. It's always existed, but it's just something, it's just something we continue to do. And it's probably with us for quite some time. Now, if you're, if you're not American and you're listening to us, you're probably still wondering, Hey, this is, this is really confusing. In the back of your mind, you're probably wondering, why doesn't the employer just pay the employee enough so a tip is not needed? And that's where you are in Europe. That's not where we are in America. That's, heck, that's not even where we are in America state by state. I'm going to share a couple of, a couple of laws that, that are on the books right now. So this goes back to like 1938 where this was codified on the Fair Labor Standards Act where tipping was actually allowed. The federal, the, min, the current minimum wage in the U.S. at the federal level is $7.25 an hour. That's by no means a living wage. And most minimum wage jobs pay much higher than the federal minimum wage of $7.25. Generally anywhere from $9.10, 20 bucks an hour, depending on the job and depending on the location in the U.S. So that $2.13, that's the minimum wage for a person that actually own, that earns a tip. If they're in a job that's considered tip eligible, the minimum wage that they can set is $2.13 in the U.S., have I lost you yet? Getting confusing. I can't, it's confusing for an American. It's got to be real confusing if you live outside the U.S. We're going to get it a little bit more confusing. The tip wage actually varies by state. Most states do adhere to $2.13 an hour, but listen to this. If you're in Alaska, it's $11.73 an hour. California. an hour. Minnesota, they have two different wages, and it depends on the size of the employer. If it's a small employer, they've got to pay a tipped employee $8.85, and then plus any tips they earn. If it's considered a large employer, it's $10.85. Nevada, this is an interesting approach. In the U.S., Healthcare is not provided by the government. It's usually provided by employers. So in Nevada, they couple their tip wage based on the, if the employer offers healthcare. So if an employer offers healthcare to a tipped employee, the the minimum wage is $11.25 or rather $10.25. If they don't offer healthcare, they pay a little bit more, 11.25 plus tips. 
and we can go on and on with the variance. So you're probably wondering, well, how do you determine if there is a tip, if a person's a tipped employee? It seems like an employer can say, hey, I want to hire a person for $2.13 an hour and squeeze a lot of labor out of them and just call them a tipped employee, but not really give them a chance to earn tips. So there has been a lot of legislation around that. The most common one is generally if if a person's occupation positions them about 80% of the time where they're eligible to earn a tip, then an employer can pay them, can qualify for the tip wage, which is $2.13, and not pay that higher minimum wage. So you're probably thinking, well, that seems like a slippery slope, and it is. There has been a lot of legal cases out there where you guessed right, an employer would try to take the try to be a cheapskate, have an employee titled as a tipped employee, not pay them the two dollars and thirteen pay them the two dollars and thirteen cents, and then not give them the opportunity to actually earn a tip. I was reading one case where this was a it, this was a resort in South Carolina where they had a number of people hired at $2.13 an hour. Now their day job was to primarily be a waiter at the resort hotel. But guess what? Instead of waiting tables, they were doing things like mopping floors, cleaning the back room, rolling silverware. Well, that's okay but it violated the 80% rule because they were doing that much more than actually waiting tables than they could earn a tip. So they, here they were, they were getting paid $2.13 an hour and only serving guests waiting tables a few hours a day. Uh, that, went, that went on to the state courts and it was ruled in the employee's favor that they were being misused. So there were some guardrails there. The, the most recent thing I think that I've seen pop up in the U.S. is employees that you know are earning a, there's a much higher than minimum wage, maybe $10, $12, $15 or more an hour. And then you go to a quick serve restaurant and right next to the register, there it is. It's a tip jar. Or it's a quick serve restaurant and all they are doing is taking an order. And when you go to pay, the screen pops up 10, 15, 20%. Sometimes it's more than that. That's emerging. And it seems that's really accelerated the last five years. I think since the pandemic, to be quite honest, I think it's for two reasons. One, it was to attract um, workers a lot of frontline restaurant work had a hard time finding labor, and this was a way to attract labor. And then the other thing is, since these are still generally lower paid jobs, even though it's above minimum wage, a place like Starbucks might pay an employee $15 or more an hour, but it's a way for the employer to say, hey, come work at Starbucks. We'll pay you 15 but you're going to earn $20 an hour because you're going to share in the tip jar. So it's a way of of paying, passing on almost like a making a borderline livable wage, just a little bit more livable. And I think that's one phenomenon that's going on. 
the other thing is gig work in the U.S., DoorDash drivers, Instacart shoppers, we can go on and on. You know, they're performing a service with their own car. They're a contractor and not an employee of DoorDash, generally just getting a few dollars for each delivery that they complete. They're using their own gasoline, time, and then traveling the distance within their car. They're relying 60 to 70% of their income, probably just on tips, to make the whole thing worthwhile. That is a new, I, I think, an emerging area where tips are just becoming further and further entrenched into our society, and probably under, understandably so. Because I think in that instance, and I've got a heart for this, if you're, if you're using a service like DoorDash and you think it's a service, you're probably kidding yourself. I always describe gig work, it's not a service, it's more an auction because you're really auctioning for a person's time. If you're going to leave a $2 tip, and you're 10 miles from the restaurant and a person's going to spend maybe 45 minutes picking up your lunch or meal for $2, you're probably losing that auction. Um, and you're probably not going to get your lunch in a timely fashion. The same thing with The same thing with grocery shopping. I don't think a lot of people are just lining up, hey, I want to do your grocery shopping get paid next to nothing, not have a tip and save you a lot of time. Sure, they're providing you a service, but really you're auctioning for their time to do this. And I get it. There's a lot of crummy people out there that maybe mishandle food, do a poor job shopping. And it's almost a risk-based tip because that kind of tip is unique. You almost have to show your hand before you get the service. Whereas traditional tipping, it's it's more been you get you get the service, then you decide what you want to tip. It's interesting to see how that how that's taking shape. Those are just some of my th just some of my thoughts on tipping, some of the history, where it's come from. But before I put this episode together, I asked a question on X, and I asked just simply where. When and where does it make sense? How much do you tip? <laughs> and where it's annoying and do you find it out of place? And I love when I get follower and listeners input on this because this really helps me see what you, what you guys are seeing out there, what you're feeling as well, and talks to some of the cultural issues out there. So the first thing I want to share with you is from a my friend Swan Investor, a listener over in the UK. And it's one investor writes that tipping is rare in the UK and it's almost considered old fashioned. And in many settings, it, it can be offensive. Uh, they also say it's definitely changed in the last 20 years. Most people that would tip in pubs or restaurants back then, 20 years ago, but they really don't now. But they did add that in some classier establishments, it still takes place. So that's that's kind of interesting. Um, my friend Tesla Groupie, she wrote in 
that she really broke it down really good. So she, she follows a pretty good um, grid, it looks like. She clearly tips when a service is provided. She lists services, servers, bartenders, food delivery, beauty and massage services, things of that nature. But she breaks down a grid. She says when she gets good service, 20%. Extra great service for 20%, then maybe she'll throw an extra five bucks or something on there. Just mediocre service, they get a haircut, 10%. And then bad service, I love this, nothing. Why should you tip for, if it's truly bad service? And she does another good rule of thumb. She says she doesn't tip someone who pours coffee and hands it to me at Starbucks. And probably makes sense. You know, I, a lot of times when I go to Starbucks, I'll put a dollar or two in there. You know, if it's, if it's a few things I'm ordering, I'll do that. But I think you can walk away, even in the U.S., that that Starbucks worker is making much more than minimum wage. The employer's taking care of them. So let me look at a few more here. I'm going to read a few more things that came in. This is coming in from overseas as well from Karaoke Andy. He's in the Czech Republic. And this is interesting. This really gets to my point around cultural differences. Just doesn't really understand tipping. Um, You know, maybe if they tip it's a small amount, the equivalent of one US dollar. And does notice that you know, tourists, specifically Americans, they tip more. Um, and that's just one big cultural t- difference there. Let me read a few others. I'll read one from CabFX on Twitter. And this goes to my earlier point around food delivery. He says he tips food delivery based, and this is important, based on the distance and time it takes to get your food to you from the restaurant. If it's a 10 plus mile trip from the restaurant, and that makes sense. If you're ordering online at DoorDash, you know where you are and you know where your rest- the restaurant you're ordering from is. If you know that's a pretty tricky route, it's long distance, it's going to be heavy traffic takes that into account with the tip. I think that makes total sense. So those are just a few good suggestions or a few good observations that got in on X based on the question I asked earlier earlier in the week. There's dozens and dozens of them, but they really go back to, it's just a very confusing topic. You know, personally, I I tip about 20% across the board whenever we go to a, it's pretty reflexive. Um, There've been a few cases where I've got bad service. I'll tip, um, I'll tip a lot less than that. There's a couple of times where I've got just, not just bad, but rude service. Um, I didn't tip anything or maybe just a dollar to, to leave a message. When it comes to people like food delivery uh, I don't use DoorDash much, but um, to my points earlier, take care of people like that. The strangest thing, something I hadn't really thought about, a couple of times I needed roadside assistance, a car wouldn't start, and I was at home. I did tip, I did cash tip when a person came out on call. So you might have a service like AAA, 
But sometimes those are also third-party people working for AAA that are coming out and performing the service. Uh, once I learned that was customary. I've had a few times I've tipped in cases like that. Um, one other place I probably didn't tip before the pandemic, but started to was if I'm going to a restaurant, I'm going to the takeout window. Like maybe I called in an order or placed it online. I do generally tip 10% there. And here's why. Um, about 50-50, those employees are also called tipped employees. It's, it's not real transparent. You don't know it. But I went to, um, where was it, Texas Roadhouse a few weeks ago. And I'll tell you what, I tipped 20% on a takeout order. And the reason I did was that young lady was working her tail off, going back and forth to the parking lot. She was generally assembling the orders. And when I watched her work, I'm like, gee, that looks like just as much, if not more difficult work than a waiter or a waitress, just going from the restaurant counter to the table, bringing food. It looks like, it looks like she's working her tail off. She's going out to the parking lot where it's cold, having to deal with customers answer the phone. I felt good tipping in that situation. Now, just going through a drive through window, probably wouldn't. Yeah, I don't tip there. So this is kind of how I'm using, how I'm thinking about using tipping a little bit. But I think it's fair to say that tipping, it's, it's here to stay. It's here to stay in the U.S. It's, it's part of, it, it just seems it's, it's part of the culture. And I think with the rising gig workers, and just the economy in general and how it's how it impacts employees that are generally in the service field. I think it's here to stay with us for a while. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on tipping. I'd love to hear your thoughts on tipping on why we tip in America and and what you're doing with tipping. But until then, Thanks for joining the Money Happy Hour, where we make every hour a happy hour for your money.